We can dream of running away with the circus, having a road trip with the girls, seeing this mountain or that, swimming in the Aegean Sea, and frolicking in redwood forests. But because the saying, everywhere you go, there you are, is true, we travel with our deeply personal way of seeing the world. In my travels, I go off and explore new ideas and people, but when I reflect, I see that I have come back to seeing and knowing in my ways. I can get more grounded in my beliefs. Has that happened to you? You go off to come home. Perhaps we wander around and meet new people, see new lands, but in the process, we end up reaffirming what we believe, who we call friends or family, and what excites our hearts in only the particular ways that our hearts can be excited. So make your travel plans, decide on your itinerary, Hold tight to guides and translators, but know that you are holding tight to your internal way of seeing, now brightened by someone else's way of seeing. The one will come upon the other, and the result will be a type of magic, but a homespun magic. For no matter how far you venture, you discover what's in your heart and mind and soul. You become closer to yourself because the eyes you see the world through have been honed and crafted by years of your particular brand of knowing. It is the beauty of seeing things through our own eyes that most connects us to travel. We learn about other people, places, foods, religions, customs, but in the end we reference them against our own beliefs and ways of knowing. And in that way, travel brings us closer to ourselves. Today, we talk about how travel offers us a wonderful way to revisit ourselves. We venture out, sometimes stretching our belief systems, our assumptions, and our ways of thinking. But in the end, we see everything through our own lens. That lens may evolve, but oftentimes we learn just as much about ourselves and our traditional ways of seeing as we learn about new ways. Let's explore as I talk about my trip to Morocco. you on a creative journey to inspire your personal growth. I'm your host, Jill Hodge, a business writer by day, a poet, music lover, and journal enthusiast all the other times. Part performance art, part self-help, this show is unique. So let me show you rather than tell you. But first, please note, the opinions I express here are my own not a substitute for professional help. If you need someone to talk to, please reach out to a mental health professional. Now, sit back and relax and listen to my reflections from the bright side of the beat. 
Late last summer, I was gifted an invitation to visit a country I longed to see, Morocco. Why was North Africa on my bucket list? When I was in my 20s, I decided that right after college, I'd take my fresh bachelor's degree in broadcasting and film and pair it with a master's degree in history. I was going to be a documentary researcher and script writer really modeled after my favorite film professor, who was this really kind British soul who saw the world with fresh, brilliant eyes and impressed me immensely in college. I was and still have an air of naivete about me, an impressionable soul. It keeps me in touch with dreaming and hope. Anyway, while working on my master's degree, I decided that I would major in European history and write my master's thesis on the role of Algerian women in the War of Independence. I was really fascinated by North Africa. Uh, another incredible professor taught African studies, and it was one of the few history topics at the time where I could consider the role of women in a war. Um, this was really before women's studies was an option. And even years later, I would read with interest when I found an article on Algerian culture. I was just sort of drawn to it. You know, I'd read articles on like mosaic art or the food of Algeria or the landscape and the music. And this history and cultural exploration left such an impression that I just sort of carried it with me for years. And I never forgot it. I tucked my image of these things in the back of my mind and told myself that I might get to this part of the world when I got older. Well, last year, some 35 years later, my wish came true. My best friend, who had family living in Morocco, invited me to go along with her on a trip. Of course, I said yes, instantly, and then frantically tried to figure out caregiving for my family members. I knew I needed this trip and that they wanted me to go, but the logistics of it were really stressful. There was never a thought that I wouldn't go because I believe deep down to my soul, to my bones, that when you get offered these types of treats in your life, you don't question them, you don't pick them apart with worry, you don't overthink things, you take a leap of faith and plunge in. I believe they are callings that we need to listen to because these types of experiences are what life is. Life is living. And living while traveling to a foreign land is one of the best ways to know yourself, to reaffirm yourself, and recapture any bits of yourself that you've lost along the way. You can be more mindful when you travel and you have time to think. And that helps you get closer to knowing who you are, and kind of listening to yourself. Morocco lived up to my expectations and then some. But what I really saw as I reflected on the sights and sounds and people and the beautiful landscapes of Morocco were my core beliefs. My experiences sort of reinforced really strongly held beliefs and ways of seeing the world that I hadn't anticipated reviewing. You know, there's a saying Everywhere you go, there you are. And it's so true because many of my experiences caused reactions that were in line with my perspective and really highlighted that perspective in contrast. And sometimes it challenged that perspective too. The contrast amplified my thoughts and gave me a strange sense of confidence that 
Over the years, I was becoming the person I, I most wanted to become. A particular person with a particular viewpoint that impacted the world in a particular way. I felt like I was taking in so much and synthesizing it and then returning to an inner knowing that was now richer and deeper, but still very much me. The best way I can explain it is this way. One of the most visceral ways to get to know the Moroccan people is to visit the old Medinas. These old shops, these old ways of selling things, stall after stall in these centers that um, really are rich and, and have this energy that's incredible. And we visited a lot of Medinas. My best friend is a shopping wizard with like this incredible eye for beautiful things. And, you know, she has the ability to cherish beautiful things, but then she shares them. So instead of coveting them, she looks for things to bestow on others and has a gift-giving spirit that is hopeful and very loving. And we did a lot of shopping. I love to watch her shop. One of the expected practices when shopping at the Medinas is to haggle on the price. The shop owners, mostly men, size you up as a tourist and give an outlandish first price. And then you spend time negotiating in what sometimes turns into a really heated debate until you agree on a price. One of you sometimes pouts afterwards that you didn't get the best deal you wanted, but you generally do this dance and come to a resolution that you can both live with. Am I a haggler? No. I'm the opposite of a haggler. I'm a dreamer. <laughs> you know, when I see an object that I want, I start dreaming about how it fits into my life. And I'm annoyed when I have to add crude considerations about how much it costs into my mind and heart. And so debating, as some of these debates almost turned into fights with our translator friends who were helping us with these delicate negotiations. But that's not what I signed up for in my dream. In general, the communication style of these interactions is not my preferred way to communicate. It put me off and it made me feel kind of off kilter. Another issue was that as a feminist, I found it difficult to consider taking a demure sort of posture with these men. At times, I felt confined by a perceived set of rules about my conduct. I'm sorry, but I really don't care what country I'm in. I have to be a strong woman. At least the vision of myself as strong that I believe in. And I'm always respectful, but I'll only bow down so far. And some of the vendors thought I was Moroccan. You know, when you're biracial, the world can sometimes see many identities in your face and features. Something that I really don't take offense to. It's sort of interesting to me. But in fact, I kind of like having a sort of an every woman's face. You know, am I Spanish? Am I black? Am I white? Am I Greek? You know, am I Moroccan? It helps me weave and dart into new cultures more easily. But in this case, I sometimes felt like there was an assumption that I would behave in a certain way. And when I stepped outside that boundary, there were slight perceived affronts that were made. I don't apologize for them. That's the price of doing business with me. So after a few days of this haggling, I grew weary of it. And that's when the interesting part of the story happened. I really started to look around. 
Instead of spending time focusing on the wares of the stalls, I looked at the intricate wood doors to the shops, the patterns of tile on display, the street art, the cobblestone streets, and the smells and smiles. I found a few female shop owners, in particular this smiling, beautiful woman who sold oils and fragrances. And together we pieced, you know, my horrible few little pitiful words of Arabic with her acceptable English into a conversation that felt complete. It felt like a meeting of the minds. You know, we fused our words with smiles and gestures. And I would see her later a few times when I returned to Medina and was always greeted with a smile and a greeting, salam. Turning away from the male shop owners and the haggling let me turn into something else, to turn towards someone new. I journeyed past those situations to find small interactions with Moroccans, eating figs with a farmer in Meknes, staying up late in marble-floored hotels to talk about life with my friend, watching stray cats on the edge of the cliffs in Tangier, and sweating in the desert among the Roman ruins of Volubilis. Each memory now reminds me that one of the gifts of the trip was the way it allowed me to return to myself. Not my day-to-day self that goes to work, that cares for others, who parents and cleans, but the internal version of myself that I've built over time. The Jill who dreams and settles into quiet to take in the beauty around her. The Jill who records sounds in the Medinas at night so she can share them with her partner back in New York City. The Jill who dips her toes in the sea off the coast of Tangier to savor the moment so she can carry it with her for the rest of her life. Yes, I brought home trinkets and have stories to tell, but I also reaffirmed me. And that's much harder to do in my day-to-day life. Here's a poem I wrote about the sensory delights of the trip, inspired by the sounds of Moroccans enjoying a warm, festive night in a Medina. this poem, I've Seen the Palace in Rabat. The king's town, draped in black and red, driving in circles, a stranger trying to right myself. And then I look out. Fuchsia flowers dance and graze mud brick. Stucco yields patterns, relief and water springs from mosaic stories. The smell, it's earth and sweetness, orange and honey. The sound, it's prayers, as motorcycles stop and start. As families settle on grass lawns near palaces and mosques, they laugh and smile and tell their stories. Pink marble and grand wood doors chiseled by hand tunnel and groove, a wash in detail, first in, then out, 
than all around. Under a quarter's moon, a cat prowls for a juicy chicken bone, a scrap of fish wedged in ancient cobblestone. He'll have to bend and lick and paw, his work, not mine, cause I'm on holiday. The next corner beckons with cobalt blue and succulent views. I caress the golden thread that's woven by hand, nurtured by patience, held tight by title and land. I dream of flowing skirts, sweet dates, and bees that circle nougat as a man looks up to smile. While in Morocco, I visited Rabat, Marrakesh, Casablanca, Tangier, Fez, and Meknes. It was a very complete itinerary, and each town left its own impression through the sensory bath it provided, you know, the teal river water against the hot, dry summer slopes of the Atlas Mountains. The Moroccan flags everywhere in Rabat the honeybees encircling nougat in Marrakesh, the seafoam green tilework at the top of the Grand Mosque in Casablanca, and the caves letting in ocean spray in Tangier. I took it all in as my senses, especially smell, are something that I'm cued into each day. The smell of jasmine and orange was the through thread of the trip. And the energetic people who laugh and smile in great family groups to listen to Berber music at night or catch a picnic near the king's palace, reminded me that at any particular moment, in any particular place, our souls are alive in their own particular way. May we be mindful of our unique perspectives and find travel to re-energize and reinforce the ways in which our life is our own. Here are some journal prompts to consider how a place can re-energize and reorient you to yourself. Number one, where do you feel most like yourself and most comfortable in your own skin and why? Number two, what personality traits, personal preferences and perspectives are non-negotiable for you? And how does this play out in your life? especially as you travel or experience new things. And three, write about a pleasurable sensory experience. Sight, smell, touch, sound, or taste that has brought you great joy. Traveling, especially with a friend who shares your dreams and values, can enrich our lives by bringing us to new lands. Interacting in these new ways can spark both new ideas and perspectives, but also serve to contrast with our deeply held core beliefs. Once out in the light of day, we can explore these beliefs and either reaffirm them or revise them. We have a choice, and as our senses tingle with new insights, new twists and turns of meaning, we find that wherever we are physically, we are still always home in ourselves. Thanks for listening. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And speaking of subscribing, head over to LetTheVerseFlow.com and subscribe to my companion newsletter, 
the Me Time mixtape. This free newsletter offers three essential hand-curated links to creative self-care tips, tools, and strategies that you can use today to help put yourself back on your to-do list. The podcast inspires while the Me Time mixtape tools help you put things into action. Check it out. The Me Time mixtape at lettheverseflow.com. I'll see you next time. Don't forget to stay on the bright side of the beat.